This episode of Eye to Eye is brought to you by Janique Locks. If you're looking to get started, there's no better place. She specializes in all kinds. Dreadlocks, micro locks, sister locks, lock extensions, instant locks, interlocking, and more. If you're in the 757, please don't hesitate to contact her. You can find her on Instagram at Janique Locks. That's G-E-N-I-Q-U-E-L-O-C-S, Janique Locks. Or you can find her at her website, JaniqueLocks.com. Janique Locks, where locks are envied. All right, let's go ahead and start this podcast, man. on it man where the frick is justice wango at now let me stop lord forgive me a moment of course you would be sick today so <sighs> your memory's impeccable though you're very committed to this i told you i was gonna do it bro i know like until she's back on here consider me darth vader son but i keep forgetting you're not my father <laughs> that's true story i keep forgetting you're commit you're so committed to this thing and then suddenly i hear the oh, and i'm like oh that's right he's doing vader again Come on, man. Yeah. Didn't really sound but I'll give him that. <laughs> nah, bro. No, nah, I mean, I, it's because I, I didn't really even want to go full on. Like, I've been doing Vader for years. Like, it's one of my impersonations. Like that, like Scooby-Doo, like uh, Snagglepuss, um, like all them jokers, you know. I, I just None of those it. line up together at all. They're not even close. And, you know, they don't need to, though. That's the whole thing about it. This <laughs> is that dang good. Jack of all oh, trades. Oh, good. Yeah, there's there's no Venn diagram. There's no overlap with those characters. I don't know. None <laughs> at all. Darth Master. Vader and Scooby-Doo. Yeah, man. Wow. <laughs> Who said that they all had to be in flow, bro? It, it's bro. 2020. And don't you limit my God, Doc, on it. Yeah. Oh, I'm not. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> welcome once again to the latest episode of Eye to Eye, short for Inspire to Inspire. The podcast is all about being open, honest, and real, and having conversations about life and faith. And of course, you know that we are willing to boldly go. See, even that is is Darth Vader esque. Come on, bro, don't don't nah, don't don't touch me. I'm gonna leave you alone. I'm gonna leave you alone. Nah, thank you. Uh, well, most folks ain't trying to. And of course, y'all know who I am. My name is Jordan. My name is Devin. And we are more. Then glad to have you rocking with us. And on this episode, we have an extra special guest who ain't being so special right now talking about my Darth Vader stuff, but I'm going to let it ride. Um, you know, but uh, now i got a good brother uh, with his longtime friend. I uh, got an amazing story, real testimony, straight up dude, warrior. Um, and every now and again, he'll cry too. So he, he, may, he, he balances it out. Yeah, every now and then, like every week. Yeah, 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 exact, exact. But uh, we'll get to him in just a second. Dev, how you doing, bro? Oh, boy. Okay, so we went back to school today. and uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of why I asked. Yeah, so Ty was home. He has the attention span of basically a, 
you know, 40 year old me, but he's seven, so he can't deal with it very well. And uh, it, it's not pretty. Um, you know, he's spinning around in his chair and putting his feet on the desk. And I don't know how good he was at miking or, you know, muting his mic during the Zoom class. At the very end, they asked uh, all the kids what their favorite thing was. And they went down the list and she's like, Ty, what was your favorite thing? And he unmutes it and goes, when I got to take breaks and then mutes it. And I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> and so after class, I'm like, Ty, listen, your teachers are trying really hard to keep you engaged and make it fun. And seriously, man, give these teachers some raises. I don't know how. I mean, they were basically babysitters trying to be comedians, trying to be singers, trying to be teachers, and trying to be tech help all at the same time via Zoom with a bunch of six and seven-year-olds. And I don't know how they do it. Like it's, it's, it's incredible. They spent the first 20 minutes just doing a tutorial of how to unmute and mute your microphone on Zoom, which would be hard with a bunch of like, you know, 30 plus year olds. <laughs> so yeah, the, the yeah. patience level is strong with those. Oh man. Yeah, man. God bless 100%. them. I tell you. I've witnessed that actually. It's, it's hilarious to watch uh, when you see the person too on Zoom that's still not on mute and they've asked for the 13th time yo, can everybody please go on mute? And then the people who actually like run the meetings forget that they can mute people. I know. Like I love doing that on here. You know, we're still rocking Google Meet. We're still back in 1976. But, you know, I just, uh, I, I, I'm baffled at people who don't rec recognize how to actually operate their own equipment. Neither here nor there. Um, also, I just want to put you on blast, Dev. Um, the headband is doing it, man. That's it right. Really is. It's more comfortable yeah. than a hat keeps the hair out of my face. I feel very uh, European athlete, even though I don't look it, other than the headband. <laughs> no, you do. Yeah. But, oh, I, I get what you're saying. You mean yeah. actual like athlete, athlete. Well, you forget you have an in-home gym. So Yeah. I guess if one of my arms was a lot larger than the other one, then I'd look like a tennis player. Have you seen that before? Google Nadal's arms. It's creepy. It'll freak you out. His I'm right good. arm, his service arm, it, it looks like or Schwarzenegger's from like Predator and his left arm looks like an emaciated, you know, 78 year old man. It's so bizarre. Are these real pictures? These yeah. Are real pictures. No, it's real because of how much he practices hitting the serve with his right hand. Federer is the same way. It'll freak you out, man. It's creepy. <laughs> yeah, I'm really good. Thank you. Uh -huh. No, no, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I don't know if I'm going to look that one up. I don't want to be creeped out. I want to sleep. <laughs> yeah, well, it might be hard to. Yeah. No, I mean, I respect it because it's earned them millions of dollars. I can't, I can't be mad at that. Um, no. But it don't mean I got to see it. No. And, and we'll leave that there. Okay. We'll leave that there. Uh, I'm, I'm doing good because I know you're about to ask that question. I'm probably not as good as I was about to be before you mentioned um, the emaciated arm thing. It's not but... my fault. I'm, you know, I'm just, I just bring facts and information to you. And it felt like a, the right place to put that. <laughs> Usually it's very, very highly beneficial. Yeah. I don't know about this time, Playboy. I don't know. No, not, we'll see. We'll see if the audience yeah. starts looking it up and they're like, wow, that was very helpful because this is this is crazy. Never thought this was a thing. I mean, you might get used to a million hits. I mean, it, it could happen. If this is the first episode that does that, it'll be because of what I told people. <laughs> uh, pretty hey, you know what? I will then gladly digress and we will still never <laughs> mention it ever again. All so right. anyway, yeah, folks, like we said, I uh, got a special guest in the house on on tonight and uh, I'll let him semi-introduce himself. But like I said, he's a, an amazing uh, brother of mine um, and uh, he does a variety of things. The man has already written 
books, which makes me mad because I still haven't written my first one yet, neither here nor there. Um, you know, he's a leader of men. Uh, he is a, a, a firefighter among men. I forget what promotion I just went to to, to, to support him. Wh- wh- which one was that again? I got promoted to lieutenant back in January. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was I was there. We took pictures, so I got proof. Um, you know, and other than that, though, just uh, I'll, I'll let him explain the rest of him. He's got blogs. He's got all this other nonsense, man. He gets my last nerves, and that's why I call him my brother, because he challenges me to be better. Uh, but ladies and gentlemen, introducing uh, Josh Chase. Yeah, so building. like Jordan said, that's my name, Josh Chase. Uh, um, <laughs> uh, married, got a couple of kids. Hold uh, on, t- Time out, time, time. Here we go again. Okay, see, every time I introduce people on this podcast, like, they just basically take it and they're just like, yo, you really appreciate the setup. I don't care about it at all. I'm just going to get right to the point or I'm going to talk about how I'm in my bed and I want to go to sleep. Um, can can somebody give me some credit <laughs> for, for these doggone introductions here? Hang on. Hey, thank you, Jordan, for introducing me. I really appreciate it. The introduction was more than superb. Dak, all right. <laughs> Dak, I mean, I feel like that's what you were looking for. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay, great. He, he needs validation for being a hype man. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, when you're talking about validation and empathy, like, I, that's what I talked about marriage counseling. I didn't think I'd be getting into that tonight, but. You know, so. <laughs> Look, man, I'm I'm just trying to be the spliff star to somebody's Buster Rhymes. That's all I'm trying oh to say. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> My bad. Continue, sir. Continue. Yeah. Continue. So anyway, like I said, my name is Josh Chase. Uh, married, three kids. Uh, yeah, I got a pretty crazy story. Don't like it all, but it's made me who I am. Uh, yeah, personal relationship with God's pretty much got me where I am today. Wouldn't know what to do without him. Uh, like Jordan said, I've been a fireman for 15 years now. Uh, combat vet of the United States Army. Did that for about six years. Flew around in Black Hawk helicopters. I was a door gunner slash crew chief. And, um, geez, I've been a parent for 20 years. Um, God, Jesus. I'm 38 and have Help. a 19 year old. So that's like a whole nother story. Help that, the man uh, of God. I couldn't even get into tonight. But no, life is good. Life is good. Been through a lot, but life is good. God's good. Um, just excited to be on. Been talking about doing this for a little while and to just, shed some light on some things that are going on and uh, just bring some perspective to some current current events. So tonight, uh, we're going to talk to Josh about a lot of different things. We're going to talk about uh, somewhat the pandemic. Sure, why the heck not? Because everybody needs to talk about that, right? Um, and we're going to talk about uh, injustice uh, or injustice or re-justice. Just put something in front of justice. Uh, and then we're also going to talk about something that's really, really important. Um, we're always putting the spotlight on uh, the black and blue, which is necessary uh, for reasons on both sides. They need their support and love. And at the same time, some of them uh, need to be brought to justice because we do know that at least 2% of them are D-bags somewhere in the world doing stuff uh, that we don't appreciate. Uh, but people forget that there are first responders who have to endure these same things as well. Um, and one of the big focuses uh, that is not really put on these situations is that all of them, whether it be police, firefighters, um, EMTs alike, uh, are having to address mental health. And, you know, this is this has been big in the news anyway. 
I even am willing to, at least for a second, bypass my petty Patricia, which, by the way, goes to Nancy Pelosi for making a closed hair shop, hair salon, open up so that she could get her hair done. Okay, there you go. You got your petty Patricia. If I can go since January getting a haircut, then so can she. That's what I say. Although I got to say, I, I couldn't do it. After the Afro, I just... Uh, I still have a touch of PTSD on that. <laughs> you were looking a bit a bit ratty. You did have to go get it cleaned up. Bruh, like, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like, you you do this and you look like a cool midlife crisis. I did this. Oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, it's like them NBA players in the bubble. Like, some of them, you would wish that they would spend some of their millions of dollars on getting at least a decent edge up in the process, but we don't need to have that conversation. <laughs> They're sneaking their barbers anyway. in. <laughs> yeah, some of them need to. Uh, but yeah, so, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll start with this then because I know... Uh, we want to get down to business. Um, Dev, you sent something today, uh, a, a news story about how police in, what was it, uh, Arizona? Uh, I think it was in Utah, but honestly, um, Utah. But before we get, before we jump into like what's going on in the world, I, I kind of wanted Josh to tell us a little bit about his story because being that the podcast is called Inspire to Inspire, it's a pretty inspiring one. And we we're going to roll into that. We man. were going to. I but, feel like okay, we should set the table and he can kind of give us some, you know, some of his his credentials as somebody who has been through <laughs> the thick and the thin and um, come out the other side of it. That's a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, let's no, I mean, Devin's right. You I, know, it's like, uh, I mean, you know, some people don't know, you know, who are, you know, they know my name now. Uh, true. Yeah, it's very it, true. Because I've said it four times and Jordan said it twice. They know you've been a father for like 35 years and you're only 38. Yeah, 35 yeah. years and I'm only 15. <laughs> so, you know, they, they know a couple of facts. But no, I'll, I'll shed some light. No, it, it definitely brings some, I guess, some credibility. Um, I'll share the cliff notes because, man, we'll be here all night. But no, I yeah, haven't. It's long. Stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, I'll just keep it short. Married my high school sweetheart when I was... Uh, you know, 22 years old, went through some real life, got deployed uh, with the army. As soon as I got married, came back, really never saw anybody for uh, counseling. That was back in 2007. Uh, that kind of stuff wasn't, you didn't go to counseling when you came back from war in 2007. It wasn't even available. Uh, they kind of just sent you back home and said, good luck. And I hope your marriage and family is okay. Maybe at some point you should talk to somebody. So I really didn't talk to anybody. Uh, jump back in the fire department as soon as my deployment was all over. So you can imagine that really took a toll on my marriage. Yeah. Uh, so from 2007, probably to 2012, I was a complete mess. Uh, my family was a mess simply because, you know, later on that I would find out men are pretty much responsible for leading themselves well, leading their marriage as well, leading their families well. Mm. Well, I was a mess. So my marriage was a mess and my family was a complete mess. Um, when I talk about a mess, I mean, we were existing, you know, doing shift work. My wife back then was a NICU nurse. I was a firefighter. So we're playing tag back and forth, taking care of the kids, never really seeing each other. Uh, you know, at work, I completely immersed myself in the fire department culture. And I don't mean a good part of the culture. I let the fire department become my identity completely. Um, I, I would say at that point in my life, if you took away my badge, I, I wouldn't have had anything and mm. that's not a healthy place to be. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was, it was hard. It was tough. I mean, being deployed, coming back, then jumping right. And we're going to talk about this later, but jumping right back into another career that uh, really, you know, can force you to have some kind of compassion fatigue at some point and just 
be withdrawn and emotionless uh, in some situations. And you're married with children at this point. So, you know, I got to a point where uh, I was not engaged in my marriage at all. Um, you know, kind of went around and I was unfaithful there for a little while. So I got myself in a big mess, got caught in 2012 um i knew that in order to fix my marriage i would kind of have to own my past i'd kind of have to own my decisions deal with my hurt deal with my pain and i wasn't ready to do that so 2012 i'd left i left my family for about six months walked out the door and said i can't do this this is way too hard um there's no way i'm gonna be able to do it at that time i was a believer love god with all my heart but really couldn't get past the fact that i would have to own it and own everything, uh, own my marriage, own the fact that I really, even though I was, you know, believed in Christ, I really hadn't done life with him up until that point. Mm. So I guess that summer 2012, um, I was actually living with a girlfriend that was not my wife, which I would just say any to anybody that's listening, if you're married, you probably shouldn't have a girlfriend. It's not a good thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, so go I with was that. living, yeah, I was living with a, a, a girl at that point. And uh, I'm laying in bed one morning and, you know, God clearly spoke to me, not audibly, but in my spirit. Um, are you going to fight for your family? Mm. And I, I was like, man, I, I don't know. Like, there's, what am I supposed to do? Like, I don't know how to do this. I've never led with you before. I've never really done anything with you before. I've just kind of believed you've existed and you were there if I needed you. And, you know, God was the God that just bailed me out of bad stuff, you know, or didn't let me go too far. And, and I always knew he'd be there, but I didn't really know how to do life with him. So I heard that and I decided, okay, well, I'm going to go back and I'm going to fight for my family, but I'm going to try it with God this time and see what happens. So I went back, uh, told my wife that I want to back in the house after six months of being a horrible uh, husband um, and a horrible father over the, over those six month period. Told her I wanted to come back in the house. And she said, uh, no, you're not coming back until I see some proof. So, which rightfully so, like I said, I'd been living with, um, you know, another woman at that point and was not the best father. So I don't think she should have let me back in right away. And she didn't. And I had to fight for my family at that point and had to use God to do it. But during this season, I recommitted my life to Christ. Um, but even I would say, like I say, I recommitted my life to Christ. But before that, I don't even know if I was really a believer so much mm -hmm. as I believed in God, but there's a lot of, I mean, Satan believes in God. Right, There's a lot right. of people that believe in God. Right. But in 2012, I was so broken. I didn't have anybody. I didn't have anything. And I knew my marriage and family was failing. And I was like, well, I know he's real. I know he exists. I was raised in church. I've seen enough to know that I can do life with him. Let's just see where this goes. So I did. Um, I don't know where to start. I read books. You know, I got in the Bible. I was like a church junkie. I was at a different church on Saturday night, another church on Sunday. Um, so I was all over the place. It took about two months for my family to really see, I would say my wife to really see the kids were initially pretty forgiving. I think they were just like, this is great. Dad wants to come home. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and it took a couple of months for Ashley to see that, like, this is a serious change. Like she'd never seen this Josh before. Mm. Um, you know, and I'd never seen this Josh before. So now we had an opportunity to, you know, do our marriage right and do it with God leading from the front. And we did that. Um, you know, we did that and, um, you know, went to some counseling, uh, got involved in a local church, got involved in a community, great people around us. I mean, we were doing life. We looked back at the seven years we had been married. I think we'd been married about 
yeah, about seven years at that point. And we looked back and we were like, what were we doing? You know, <laughs> how did we do this without God? And the answer is we weren't really doing it. Right. I mean, we weren't doing it without him. So, um, yeah, life was good. I mean, that was 2012 rolled into 2013. I was really open about the stuff that I'd been through, um, you know, struggled, struggled with lust, like about 99.9% of guys. I was just open about that battle, open about my failures in my marriage. I just wanted to help people. Like I'd watch God do a miracle in my family. So I was just open about helping people. Um, so Ashley was, she got involved with me. We can, I continued in the fire department. So the fire department, like I said, I was involved in like a, a crazy fire department is my life culture. And then people got to see like, okay, well, God is his life now. So there was this change in the fire department and they were kind of like, who the heck is this guy? <laughs> you know, I was miserable, you know, through life at one point. And now here I am, you know, not miserable, um, you know, living for God the best way that I know how. So yeah, life is good. That was 2012. And then we'll fast forward. So life is good. We're in 2015. Everything's great. I'm cleaning my garage on May 12th, 2015, and I get a phone call from my wife's work, and they say, your wife just passed out. We need you to get here right now. I'm like, okay, cool. Be there in 20 minutes. Uh, didn't have a really good feeling, not, not, re not really knowing what to expect. So I get there to the hospital. Now, mind you, I've worked in emergency services for a while now at this point. So I get to the hospital. They try and sit me in a little room. And I'm like, this is the room they set people in when they tell people bad news. So I'm like, just bring me to my wife. Get me out of the room. Um, yeah, I just, I just want to know what's really going on. So they did. They let me out of the room. And they let me back into the emergency room. And they were actively performing CPR on my wife on a table um, with no explanation. Um, she wasn't sick, um, didn't have any medical conditions. I just talked to her 30 minutes ago about planning a family vacation. And now I'm watching doctors and nurses CPR on my wife. Um, familiar scene for me with being in the firefighter and EMT world. I've ridden an ambulance for about 10 years at that point. Mm. Not a familiar scene to see my wife, um, obviously, on the table. Um, the doctor looked at me at that point. They'd been doing CPR for almost 45 minutes. And if you know anything about CPR, four to six minutes is kind of your window. 45 minutes is probably because she actually worked at that hospital and they just didn't want to stop. Hmm. Um, so it got to a point the doc looked at me. Uh, unfortunately, I pretty much pronounced my wife's death when he looked at me and said, hey, I think this is it. I kind of did the old, you know, okay, that's it. And everybody stopped when I said, that's it. So, uh, you know, time of death, all that stuff. And then life completely changed in that moment. I went from a married, happy uh, husband with three kids to a single dad that had no idea how to raise three kids on his own, whose wife just unexpectedly died and who had to go home and tell his kids that mom was not coming home. So, I mean, you talk about a blow. Um, that was probably the blow of all blows for me. Um, so needless to say that summer was really hard. Um, <laughs> you know, it was, I, I took some time off of work and, uh, really just spent it with the kids, had a great community around between church, the fire department, the nursing community, people that knew the family. I mean, I, I can say this, like community is huge. If you're not in one, you need to get in one. <laughs> 
it doesn't matter what kind of communities have something, you know, for me, I had, I was involved in so many different communities. Um, I wanted people to leave at some points just so I could have some free time. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So anyway, like I said, that summer was hard, got back into, uh, you know, stayed in church the whole time. Didn't really know what else to do. Uh, tried to take a couple of weeks off of church, but my kids were like, Hey, how long are we going to hide from church? So I think they were just looking to get back <laughs> to something, uh, normal per se. So took about four months off, jumped back in the fire department. And um, it's it was just a hard transition getting back to doing life, doing familiar things with the kids, with Ashley normally, normally being there. Um, you know, grief smacked me in the face. Uh, you know, I still deal with a little bit of stuff here and there. Um, you know, I don't think it'll ever go away. But uh, that was 2015, 2016, really just learning how to do life with friends, community, learning how to be a single dad. Uh, raising two girls and a son. Ooh. I had a lot of family help, but, you know, and, and I, I was a pretty involved dad, I would say. So I knew how to braid my daughter's hair, knew how to brush their hair, <laughs> get them dressed, you know, all that stuff. But my I, God. Was a, I was missing a teammate at that point, you know? Yeah. So, I, you know, I knew how to do long. I wasn't, I would say, the stereotypical 1950s dad who was completely clueless. <laughs> I was just missing my teammate and I had to do it all by myself. And it was a lot. I mean, I'm working full time. Yeah. Uh, at that point I was doing a training Academy working full time Monday through Friday, 6am to 5pm coming home, taking care of the kids, getting them ready. I have free time 10 o'clock at night, only be back up at five o'clock in the morning. So crazy. I'll fast forward a little bit to 2017, uh, 2016, you know, decided, uh, I, I did at some point want to be married again, uh, met somebody that Jordan knows very well, uh, dated her for about nine months. He's shaking his head right now. You guys just can't see it. <laughs> uh, dated her for about nine months. So I ended up getting remarried in 2017. Uh, she's a champion. She stepped into a situation with a guy that lost his wife and, um, you know, has three kids. And I mean, she's been, She's been a more than a blessing to the family. And um, so that's kind of where I'm at now. That's the cliff notes. Um, if you could imagine everything that goes with that, the feelings and the emotions, and there's a lot. I mean, it, it's uh, I really couldn't even begin to explain the level of uh, trust I've had to find in God to make it through my day some days. But so when I say God is good, I really mean God is good. Yeah. All the time. Thank you for sharing that because, you know, the, one of the things that Jordan and I talk about a lot on this show, and one of the things that we think is important is just trying to find God when it feels like God's not there. And, yeah. uh, you know, that, that story is so important for people to hear. I know the first time I heard it, I think it might've been at Man Up. And, uh, you know, you talk about being a, a weekly crier. I'm probably like a daily crier. I'm very sensitive. And uh, I definitely was, uh, had some tears in my eyes when I, when I first heard your story and just, you right. know, think you, you kind of apply it to your own life and think, oh my gosh, I, I couldn't, there's no way. Like, I don't know what right. I'd do. Um, <laughs> and so, so hearing that, but I think it's so important. You know, I'm always reminded when I hear stories like that of, you know, Romans 8, that God will just always work things for his good. Yeah, he really does. And I think it's just so important that when we experience these things in life, to have the courage to share it and express it because you have no idea how many people you might impact along the way who think that they, they're not going to make it or they're not going to get through it. Or, you know, whether it's, it's the, the first part of the story where you're struggling with 
you know, coming home from what you had to deal with and, and how much of being overseas might've impacted what your marriage looked like. And then to, to recover from that only to then lose your spouse. Like there's, you have these multiple points that could affect so many people depending on where they're going in their life. And so, you know, just, I'm, I'm sure you hear this plenty, but thank you for being willing to share those things. Cause I think our, our testimony is truly what builds the kingdom and what brings people the peace that God wants us to have. So, yeah, no, I completely agree with that. It's, you know, the Bible, they say it's, you know, blood of the lamb, word of the testimony. Yeah. And uh, it, it really will. That's, that really will, you know, this, this show is called inspire to inspire, you know, and, but I was inspired by other people, yeah. you know, that were trusting God, you know, in their situations. And same thing with, like you said, Romans, Romans eight twenty eight. like he really will work everything for good. Sometimes it's just being patient and that's not easy. <laughs> no. um, you know, when I think the, the main thing I learned, I think with losing Ashley was he really is, you know, the only thing that I have at the end of the day, if everything else goes away, that's it. Uh, he's all I got. And uh, I think that's important for people to understand. You know, I, I really do feel like having walked with you through a good deal of that season. Like, I don't know. Just, I, I'm, I'm going to add some details to that that some folks don't know, um, which is that, yeah, he he was a, he admitted it himself, so I can say it. He was a D-bag dad and a D-bag husband. Um, he fought Very hard true. to get his stuff right. Well, here's here's the restoration of rights here. This is what he didn't say, and this is how I'm not really trying to toot his horn for him, like, like his horn for him, but it, it's, it's getting tooted. So a couple of weeks before Ashley passes, um, he and Ashley are sitting in service, and our pastor, this is how well he, he restored his, his family and his relationship to his wife. He had done it so well that they had actually been commissioned to do pastoral leadership for married couples. I don't know if if that explains to you exactly how well he, or how much of a comeback kid he is in the situation. But, you know, I, I think it just, it really speaks to the level of, of, of championship and inspiration in your whole story. The fact that you did that. And then also obviously to see what happens after the fact and that, you know, you've been one of the people that I've actually seen in my life that was able to experience a rebirth in a variety of instances Right. Um, and do so with grace and class and everything else on the in-between, you know, we'll, we'll joke and, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll call you a jerk for a variety of reasons, but, um, trust me that it, it didn't go unnoticed, um, that you were able to endure that. And then even currently endure a couple of extra circumstances, you know, as, as is fitting, because that is the nature of being a human being and having to go through, through different experiences, but be able to do so. And, I've seen stronger give up on less. <laughs> I'll, I'll just put right. it that way. Yeah. Well, you know, I appreciate that. So, you know, I mean, it's just always kudos and a salute to you, bro. Um, but, and, and also I, I love the fact that y'all have legitimately had an inversion of the understanding of manhood and, and made this a crying contest and not a pissing contest. <laughs> I just want to put that out there. Oh um, yeah. It's what it is. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to cry right now. <laughs> okay. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I, I tried. I, I really didn't try. I, I get my fair share of crying into, but you know, y'all two, y'all, y'all might be two of the biggest crybabies that that I do know. I just well, we didn't say there. we were. Cry That's babies. different. We said hey. we don't mind a cry. <laughs> a good no. cry is therapeutic. 
Nah, I'm putting y'all <laughs> I need on blast. You to do your Darth Vader impression so I can feel better about myself now. That'll make us cry. <laughs> nice. Yeah, that's cool. Now, I'm not going to give it to you because apparently <laughs> on this microphone, it sounds different than what it's supposed to. You know I think saying? it sounds so, what it's supposed to sound like. Well, you know, <laughs> see, now you're going to make me have to do this, man. No, I, I'd edit it out anyway. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Wow, that is messy. Uh, I know the power of editing. Which I don't great. know why I'm surprised by that. I, sh- I should be used to that by now. I know so, you should be. Yeah, whatever. So now that we've set the table and we know mm-hmm. how qualified <laughs> Josh is at, at handling everything that life throws at him uh, from a personal standpoint, now we're dealing with the professional standpoint and with all that's going on in the world and you know a lot of the debate going back and forth about how some of our first responders or, you know, police specifically should be managed or trained. Um, you know, I know that you wanted to to shed some insight on that just with your experience of of what it's like being in the field. And you said something, you said a, a phrase, compassion fatigue. Um, I've never, never heard that phrase before, but I feel like that's something that almost uh, Americans in general are going through, regardless of what field you're in. People are just tired of having to care about everybody else, even though that's like the opposite of what Christ calls us to do. (laughs) Right. Yeah, so I'll just expand on that. I mean, for anybody that doesn't know what it is, uh, compassion fatigue is something that occurs due to exposure on one case or can be due to like a cumulative level of traumatic events. Uh, so that can cause you to be emotionally exhausted and completely withdrawn from society. Uh, so you can imagine where that applies across the board um, when you talk about compassion fatigue. And like you said, not how Christ calls us to operate. Yeah. Um, so it's one thing that repeated traumatic events, and this doesn't just have to be, you know, first responder. That that happens to be what we're talking about today. But like you said, you can't have compassion fatigue from you know, other traumatic events. Yeah, if you're um, a pastor. Yeah, well, you know, that's a great example. Yeah. I mean, if, if, pastor fatigue. I mean, there should be a there should be a PTSD conference for pastors with all the stuff that they go through. Um, Seriously, you know, so it it's one of those things where it's it's something that can occur, and I think, you know, I just I literally read you the definition just so you'd have an idea, but just a word and compassion and then fatigue <laughs> yeah. they shouldn't go they shouldn't go together no you know because when i joined the fire service back in 2005 i wanted to help people yeah. you know i genuinely wanted to help people i grew up i knew i wanted to do something that involved people i chose the army and i chose the fire service and i had passion for people for helping people
Eye to Eye is a production of Inspired One Enterprises. Engineering by Devin Chandler. Editing and production, Jordan Brown. Marketing and media, Justice Swango. Thanks again for listening to the latest and greatest episode. Please don't forget to follow us on FB, Inspired One Enterprises. On Insta, at I underscore the number two underscore I podcast. And of course, don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Leave five stars and a generous review because you love us and want us to be successful as we do you. Thank you once again for rocking with us. And remember, be inspired to inspire because that's what the inspired one does.